I'm Julie Podowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Occupancy podcast. This is Julie Podowitz, CEO and founder, and today you're in for a great time. As this is being recorded, Super Bowl Sunday is coming up, so I thought it'd be really fun to talk with a sports expert, one of my favorite sports experts, Paul Helgren, who is the Associate Athletic Director of Communications at University of Toledo. Hi, Paul. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me on. Uh, We also reinforce, I do, uh, the importance of practice in sports, music. I think we can all agree or see the the necessity of practice. You can't learn the piano by watching a video. you know, Michael Phelps, you know, is practicing swimming more than anybody else, even though there's the, the natural gifts and talents he was born with. Um, sports, your drills, your plays, your physical therapy, all of that. Um, what, what do you think, or, or maybe do in sales or, you know, in what we do, there's a lot of pushback. Like I already know how to do it. Right. And so do your players already know how to play football. They already know how to play tennis. Why do they need to practice and why do they need to do drills? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the short answer is to get better. Um, the analogy I would use is me and golf, right? I like to golf. Uh, I'm, I'm not very good at it, but I like to golf. Uh, when I have time, do I go get lessons to get better? No, I go play because I like to play. So uh, athletes like to play. Maybe salespeople like to go out and do sales or whatever they do. Uh, but the reality is, uh, you know, a weekend golfer not wanting to get better is okay. Uh, an athlete or a salesperson not wanting to get better is not okay. And uh, I, don't, I don't know of any athlete who has, you know, reached the pinnacle or at least reached a high level of success who wasn't in some ways obsessed with practice. And you'll hear about basketball players who, you know, they, they can't go to sleep unless they've shot 300 shots. Um, you know, for our football team, they have, they have very organized practices. And then you'll hear stories of guys will, and they're off time, you know, go over to the football facility and throw the ball and practice on their own. Uh, those are, those are individuals who are dedicated and determined to get better. And, uh, you know, if you have that, if you have that in your sales force, then I think you're fortunate. And um, you've also, you've been around a lot of coaches and uh, all different sports, and, and certainly you've been a coach, your son's teams, you've been around coaches as a, as a parent. What are characteristics of a great coach? Well, the characteristics of a great coach at the youth level is uh, dealing with uh, parents <laughs> who are unhappy that their kid's not playing more or Patience. whatever it is. Uh, and uh, I did okay on that level uh, occasionally. One or, one or two times I, I ran into some issues there, but no, uh, coaching is a great profession. It's, it's a form of teaching and it's a form of teaching for, for most coaches that are in it, something they love. So what more, what more could you ask for, right? As a way to make a living. 
So the formula for a great coach is, is maybe different for different coaches, but I think there would be some, uh, you know, some commonalities. First of all, you've got to know your craft. You really got to know your stuff inside and out. If, if you don't know, uh, if you know less than the people you're teaching, uh, that's going to become apparent pretty quickly. Uh, but beyond that, we'll take that as a given for most coaches uh, is, you know, how you treat people, how you uh, differentiate between individuals, right? Not everybody's the same. Some, some uh, athletes need to be pushed more. Some need to be hugged more. Um, I think it's interesting when you have coaches who switch from coaching males to females, they'll always talk about, or the other way around, I suppose, they'll always talk about the differences and you better figure out those differences pretty quickly or you're not going to succeed. Um, and I think the same is true, whether you have a small team, like a tennis team or golf team, or they have a big team like football, you've got to get to know the individuals and, and know what turns their key, right? And know, know when to push and know when to pull back. Um, and then, and then to, you know, just treat people well, whether they're your assistant coaches or, or your, your players. If you don't treat people well, um, it's not going to work in the long run. Um, people won't stand by you. They won't be loyal. In our business, it's very easy now to transfer. We have something called the transfer portal. Um, if individuals aren't happy, it just is easy as, you know, pushing a key, a keystroke on a computer and you're in the transfer portal and you, and you can go somewhere else. Um, we've been very fortunate, knock on wood, we, we've benefited more from that. We've had more uh, quality and talented individuals coming into our program than going out by far. And I think that's a reflection of the quality of the coaches that we have at our department. People, you know, want to feel seen and heard, right? And acknowledged. And so to, to get to know people individually, I would agree. How do you, how does a coach... Um, I, I, I've never been in a locker room. Um, I'm just curious about the coaching in the, in, in the locker room, like a, you know, a, at halftime and the team is losing. So, you know, what, what, what's happening there? You know, I, I know it depends on the personality. I mean, I've, I've seen coach Taylor, you know, at halftime <laughs> during night, <laughs> right. but you know, I've heard that you, you know, you can't, yeah, that, and I believe too, we all have a, uh, you know, inner motivation. And you can tap, help someone tap into it, but you can't truly motivate. I don't know how you feel about that, but what's going on for the losing team? What's the coach telling them? Or depends on the coach, depends on the team, uh, depends on the sport too. Uh, foot, I go back to football. It's a shorter season. You only have 12 games. There's a lot yeah. more riding than any, any one game. Uh, I think football coaches are more likely to, to push a little bit more um, because of that, because of that intensity. Also, it's a violent game. It's an emotional game. You have to understand that when you're dealing with these young men, uh, a lot of times that's what's required, whether it's pregame, halftime, in-game, whatever. Uh, the intensity is such that um, uh, you, you're, you're gonna probably need to bring that intensity into that communication. Uh, other sports might be a little bit different. Um, depending on the coach. Um, I've heard that's one of the questions the media almost always asks in a comeback game or I'm saying, Hey, what'd you tell the team at halftime? What's the first thing when you, you in the second half of a football game, the coach comes out, microphone goes in front of the coach's face. What's the first question? What'd you tell the team coach? And they generally sidestep. They don't really want to, they don't really want to tell you what they said because it's either sure. secret sauce or it's profane. 
And but it was like, well, we got to work harder or whatever they say. But we're all curious to know what is it. And I think yeah. some coaches feel like it is secret sauce that they do have. They do. Uh, they don't really want to share what it is they communicate because they don't want others stealing that secret. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't. I think a lot of coaches would agree. If if your wins and losses depend on that couple minutes in the locker room at halftime, you're probably in trouble. Uh, coaching is is a you know 365 day a year um, endeavor. Yeah. And you've got to be excellent in all those times and not just at halftime. If you're if you're relying on your halftime speech to motivate your team and not not those other 364 days, then you're, you're probably not doing it right. Kind of like the crash diet, you know, if you're expecting to lose weight. You know? Yeah. Again, if we want to make the business analogy, maybe it's the car salesman who's not working hard. And then it's, you know, the 29th of the month and he's got to make his uh, quota and he's going crazy and trying to make it. Right. Um, Right. not going to work. And the balance between it and what I see, Paul, is a lot of people struggling with people, uh, maybe uh, sales managers or, you know, regionals or EDs on that, that balance between that positivity, you know, and encouragement and uh, being harder on someone, holding them accountable, mm-hmm. right? So with sports analogy, you'd be like, come on, you need to, you know, be, to be either, like you said, you got to know your team to either be like really hard on them or to be like, Hey, it's okay. You know, you, you guys are great. Or you, you know, your women are awesome. I mean, it's the, you know, is it just like a per coach thing or you just know your audience, the balance of, of those two things? Yeah. I mean, not ever having coached uh, at that level. I, you know, it's hard for me to say my sense is that you have to pick your moments, right? Uh, there, there's a time and a place for everything. And we have some coaches, for example, our women's basketball coach, Trisha Cullop, highly successful coach. When the game's over, she doesn't talk to the team. She doesn't even go to the locker room. She, they huddle in the court. She says one or two words, good game, whatever, practicing tomorrow, and off they go. And uh, that's unusual. But she said her philosophy is her team's attention span is never worse than after a game, win or lose. And why should she waste her time when, you know, she can really communicate better uh, the next morning in practice or whenever the next time she sees them. Other coaches have lots to say after a game. So you, you, you kind of ha- have to pick your moments as well. You know, when, when to, um, when to understand there's just nothing you can say, you just, you know, give them a hug and say, good game. We'll, we'll get them tomorrow or whatever. Um, I think there's a big difference between say post-game communications and, in-game communications or pre-game and uh maybe there's a sales analogy or business analogy there as well too but uh you know i think that so so losing a sale let's say or having you know losing in sales mm -hmm. and losing a game or uh knowing knowing when i think that's really important too. know your audience so in this case trisha knows no that's not the best time you know that it's going to fall on uh, deaf ears or or ears that can't absorb anything or our minds that can't one thing that I don't do um, as a coach is, is say, how would you do that differently? Like if, for the loss, I understand that it's like learn from you, your past or, you know, what, why did that play go that way? Or what might you do differently or better next time? But I don't like people to ruminate on the negative or like, so what would you do better? Or what would you do differently? 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if uh, in sports, I mean, you can rewind and watch the game and, and learn and grow from there, but not beat yourself up about the loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's- well, we, there's a lot of emphasis on uh, evaluation, uh, not only in games, but in practices. Uh, practices are recorded and reviewed uh, in almost in real time in the case of football. Uh, so, uh, and that's, that's a, a big part of, of learning. And, and, and correcting and identifying what needs to be done. Um, so, you know, I, I would say that often that's in the, oh, you know, in the case of a, a, a game, it's the next day you're evaluating. Yeah. You're probably not evaluating that night. The coaches might be, they might be, you know, blocked up in a dark film room and already evaluating, but that communication with the, with the student athlete generally would be a day removed um and, and it's always like what how can you tweak you know your your performance and or your what what do you need to practice and a great coach mm-hmm. maybe you know come in and say you know you're you're, you're twisting your arm you know the wrong way or you're you know my great uh sports coaching but in sales that how we, we don't record everything some calls are recorded but uh which is important and, and it it's vulnerable to watch yourself or, or dance you know the that background in dance, of course, and a big interest there. It's the same kind of thing or choreography. You know, you're watching uh, the, the, the performance and looking for mistakes, basically looking for areas that, okay, let's stop the music. Let's do it again. But in that case, the audience, your students are, are not all of them. They don't want to stop and do it again all the time. They don't want to make mistakes, but they're determined to make the performance the best. And mm-hmm. that's, I guess, really what it takes. It takes determination. If you don't want to get better, Right. Like you said, don't don't practice or don't watch yourself or don't listen to your coach. And then you don't have a job or you don't have a, a you know, career. Right. Or you're off mm-hmm. the team, in other yeah. words. So um, I'm going to do a couple of fun speed rounds here, Paul. I really appreciate you uh, jumping on and um, I would love to talk to you more. But let's talk about sports moments because you were talking about a, the moment um, a little bit ago. What comes to mind when I say like your top three, this is hard probably, sports mm-hmm. moments or, or a few top moments? Well, personally, I had an extremely uh, undistinguished athletic career in junior high and high school and in youth, but I loved to play. And uh, I was played one year of football and I was a backup, but I got in a game and I intercepted a pass. Uh, and almost scored a touchdown almost was a pick six I got pushed out around inside the 10 yard line uh that was that was my big highlight so uh you can tell from that example not not a very distinguished career but uh but I have had some great highlights you know as a fan uh I grew up as a Detroit sports fan so when the Tigers won the World Series in 1984 that was a big deal I know I remember that too and you were a sports writer all through college you had your right. own column called raising hell shout out university of michigan go blue and yeah i remember that i remember that article you wrote yeah i got i got to cover one of the games at tiger stadium for the michigan daily uh the tigers blew out san diego i don't remember the score but i got to cover that one game and then i got to write uh, a number of columns about the tigers that summer and then after they won the world series so that was exciting and I got to celebrate in the streets of Ann Arbor <laughs> that, that great win. 
Um, but you know, the Pistons also have won three championships in, in my lifetime. Um, and those were exciting. We mentioned the lions. We'll, we'll skip on that. Um, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but I'm happy when the Red Wings win the Stanley cup. Uh, and they've done that a number of times. Uh, but in, into my career, I've had so many things going back to my early days. Uh, I was at Eastern Michigan for five years, Wisconsin, Milwaukee for eight years, had lots of great memories there. Some of the memories at the University of Toledo that stand out were some of those big football wins. Uh, we beat the University of Michigan in 2008. We beat Penn State in 2000. Uh, we came back from a 23 to nothing deficit in the 2001 MAC championships to beat Marshall. That was incredible. Wow. Uh, just on and on. So many great wins. Recently, we won the MAC championship uh, here at Four Field in Detroit, and we beat Ohio and then went on to win a bowl game. Uh, basketball, both men's and women's have had, you know, numerous great, uh, wins, uh, been to the NCAA tournament for the women on the women's side, seen a lot of great wins on the men's side. Both teams are doing great right now. Our men are tied for first or women are just a game out of first. Um, so, so many good, good memories there. And then lastly, I will say some of my very best sports memories are watching my sons play or, or coaching them and, uh, almost too many to mention, but. Uh, I'll, I'll mention two that come to mind. One was, uh, when my oldest son, Michael was a senior in high school, youngest son, Andrew was a freshman. They ended up both, Andrew ended up playing on the varsity baseball team, which yep. was not easy to do. And they went all the way to the, uh, state, uh, uh, regional finals and they won the district finals with a three run rally in the bottom of the seventh inning, which was amazing and, and so much fun. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they had lots of, they both played lots of sports. Uh, younger son, Andrew was a running back and, and, you know, when he would go on long runs and, and score touchdowns and my, my heart would practically go into my mouth. I was also the PA announcer at the I, football games. Uh, I, when was there, I, I was there for the green bears. Right? That's right. And then in uh -huh. high school, I was up in the press box. I wasn't PA, but I was up there. And yep. uh, it was it was just great. I, th those were the best coaching them in baseball, basketball, other sports, and then watching them play through high school was just phenomenal. I was I can't think of anything I would rather do. Yeah, I'm lucky too. I, I saw them both play quite a bit. And you did. You were guest announcer at a game that I was, and Michael was playing. Uh, Andrew, I think, was in eighth grade. And you were guest announcer at the game that I was in. You were you were doing something. You were in, you were in the press box announcing something. Do you remember that? Mm. That must have been junior high because I don't think I've ever done high school game, but I but I certainly was up in the press box. Oh, I, oh I, well, maybe that's it. Yeah. In my yeah. mind, you're like the, the coach of all of it. You know, you're, <laughs> you're in charge. You're, you're the boss. I was what they call a spotter. That's the person that's uh, watching the game and then telling telling the announcer what to say. Maybe that's it. What yeah. about come from behind? You talked about uh, U Toledo, 23 deficit. That's crazy in a great way. Uh, any other come from behind examples? I'm, I'm, you know, we have to come from behind in, in senior living sales all the time because in our business, uh, the people we serve are older adults. Uh, our dad, of course, lives in assisted living. He has done for, mm -hmm. seven, for six years now. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to come from behind, you know, if we have 10 outs, 10 move outs or, you know, 10 people pass, we got to fill, you know, those apartments. And it, so it feels like a constant, you know, climbing up a hill. What about sports moments come from behind? Well, certainly the one that I mentioned uh, yeah. against Marshall, that was back in 2001, so it was a long time ago. But 
that era of that football team under coach Tom Amstutz, it seemed like we were always falling behind. You know, we were always, I mean, Bowling Green one year was, they had us at halftime, I think 27 to seven. And we came back and won. And, I, and I'll always remember coach Amstutz said to the, uh, in the locker room to the, to one of our, our offensive coordinators, you didn't think we were going to win that game, did you? No, <laughs> but you have to believe, you know, you have yeah. to, um, there's, there's no, um, there's no penalty for not giving up. You know what I'm saying? It's if, if, if there's a, Oh, if you're down four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you, you could say it's impossible and, and you'd probably be right. But what, what's the advantage of that? Right. Whereas if you just say, Hey, you know what, we can still win this thing. And then you, even if you don't, who cares, you know, you believed you could. And the sports world is full of crazy, crazy comebacks. What was it? The Minnesota Vikings this year, they were down 31 or some, something like that. Just incredible. Crazy. They came back and won it. Uh, there's, there's just no, no penalty for believing. Right. I love there's that. No, there's no penalty for not giving up. I wrote that yeah. down. It's something no. Sometimes people will laugh when there's two minutes to go in a basketball game and you're down 20 and some guys diving for a basketball or, committing yes. a hard foul and why not why not i love it i love it and um what lastly uh best sports movie oh yeah yeah fortunately you gave me a heads up on this one i, I always kind of choke on this because I, I don't know if there's ever been the great sports movie at least for me there's been some good ones but there's been way more bad ones i think than good ones um Boxing and track and field tend to be good, good uh, yeah. sports for movies because they're easy to film and so forth. Uh, so I think about the the first sports movies that I saw as a kid that I thought were great. Pride of the Yankees comes to mind. Um, Brian's Song. Do you remember Brian's oh Song? Oh my gosh, I do. James Kong and Billy D. Yes, Williams. yes. Well, I've watched some of these, what I thought were great movies as a kid later on <laughs> and realized, you know, they really weren't that good. <laughs> So there's uh, some other movies I think I'm going to have to rewatch to, to, to evaluate. One is one of your all-time favorite movies, Rocky, which was a great movie, I think. Field it's of Dreams was, was a huge movie when it came out for me. And I've actually seen that a couple times. And that one's held up. Um, one you might not have heard of a baseball movie called Eight Men Out about oh, the yes. no, I Black Sox scandal. Yes. Great movie. Um, let's see. More recently, I thought Moneyball was a great movie. The baseball yes. movie. Yeah, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt and uh, uh, you mentioned Hill. Friday Night Lights, mm -hmm. uh, great movie and a great TV show, and and quite different. I think uh, was it Billy Bob Thornton played the coach he in did. the movie. I thought did a great job of not oh not being cliche and overdoing it and doing the rah rah speeches and all that. Um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, I said track and field. Well, Chariots of Fire would would definitely come to mind. Uh, great soundtrack. Great movie from the 70s, 80s? 80s yeah, 80s, 79, maybe. I'm going to have to watch that one again to see how that holds up. I don't I know. Just, like, I never saw it. It was like slow motion. There was some slow-mo. Yeah, sure. I don't know. But it won Best Picture. It did. As did and Rocky did too, right? And Rocky, well-deserved. Hey, next podcast, My for those of you uh, who don't know, my brother is a, uh, a guru, not only in sports, but movies. Uh, films. He's a great writer. Didn't you, you used to do uh, movie reviews? And I love them. You haven't done as many of them. Yeah, so. I just kind of got onto other things. And of course, we all stopped going to the movies. Maybe that had something to do yeah, with it. Yeah, true uh, enough. 
Yeah, I should get back into that. Please do. Okay, okay. Super Bowl Sunday. Not to put you under pressure, people are going to watch this after the Super Bowl. Who is, first of all, who are you rooting for? Well, as always, I'm rooting for the Lions, but they're not in it. <laughs> Maybe never will be in it. Uh, I've come to don't give that. up. There's no penalty for not giving up. That's true. Well, that's why I watch every week. I don't give. I still watch. Okay. Um, so I haven't given up. Uh, I'm going to go with Philadelphia. Uh, we have a former Rocket on the Eagles, Brett Kern, a longtime punter, great punter. Great. Um, I want to say Brett is in year 14 in the NFL. He much of his career is with Tennessee. Uh, thought his career was over and is now with the Eagles this year and he's in the Super Bowl. So great for Brett. Uh, and just in general, I, I feel like Philadelphia is kind of like one of those blue collar underrated towns that love sports. I know they love their sports there. So Kansas City has won it recently and they've been in the Super Bowl a lot recently. So let, let's go with Philly. Okay. All right. I will, uh, I'll go with Philly, uh, but I'll also go with Chiefs just to, to, to mix it up. We have, a, uh, you know, we're here outside of Nashville and well, you know, Titans, you mentioned Tennessee, but I know a lot of Chiefs fans. I don't know if that's because of proximity. And of course, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, mm -hmm. big, big, mm -hmm. big star there. Great, um, great player. Yeah, great, yeah, yeah. Um, seems like a great person, which is always, as you know, how I- uh, well, Based on his insurance commercials, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> and that's and how we base it. <laughs> I do, <laughs> I base true. it. Mason, I'm like, yeah, are they nice? Are they nice uh, off the field? Off the field, too. Right. That's why you think the Manning brothers. Oh, they're nice guys. I really like exactly. their commercials, right? My favorite, yes, my favorite football players. Well, Paul, thanks for uh, talking with me on the Grow Your Occupancy podcast. If you want to learn more about us and what we do, you can find us on growyouroccupancy.com. And please like and share podcast. It helps others find us and if you want to learn more about sports or the university of toledo paul how do they get in touch with you oh the best way to learn about the rockets is to go to our website utrockets.com or follow us on social media we're on all of them name it twitter facebook instagram tiktok you will find us on social media you got it go rockets go Thanks, rockets paul. all right bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.